On the last day of school in fourth grade, do you remember what your teacher said to you as you headed off to three months or whatever of freedom for the summer? I don't remember what my teacher told me. She told me anything at all. But Dan Butler certainly remembers what his teacher told him. And we're going to start with that story and dig into his great new book called Permission to be Great at the top of this podcast. Hey, it's Daniel, and welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, a show for ruckus makers, those out-of-the-box leaders making change happen in education. And we'll be right back after these messages from our show sponsors. Learn how to successfully navigate change, shape your school's success, and lead your teams with Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Get world-class Harvard faculty research specifically adapted for pre-K through 12 schools. Self-paced online professional development that fits your schedule. Apply now for our February 2022 cohort at slash harvard During COVID, every teacher is a new teacher. That's why innovative school leaders are turning to TeachFX, whose virtual PD is equipping thousands of teachers with the skills they need to create engaging, equitable, and rigorous virtual or blended classes. To learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer, visit teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. All students have an opportunity to succeed with Organized Binder, who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning, whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at organizedbinder.com. Dan Butler serves as the principal of Epworth Elementary School in the Western Dubuque Community School District. He's received numerous rewards, most recently being recognized as a finalist for the School Administrators of Iowa Elementary Principal of the Year in 2019 and 2020. He has published an awesome new book that I highly recommend called Permission to be Great. Check it out and check him out on Twitter at Dan P. Butler. All right, and welcome, Dan, to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Danny. I'm very excited and honored to be here. Yeah, I think I was telling you in the pre-chat, I remember seeing you at a uh, conference um, that, that Jimmy and Jeff and those guys put on a while ago, and your, your talk just blew me away. And I'm so pumped because your, your book equally blew me away. It's just, it's great. I read it. Highly uh, rec- recommend it, too. Um, and we'll be talking about that today on the show for sure. Uh, in the intro of the book, you know, you, you mentioned a fourth grade teacher, right, that gave you permission to be great and how that shaped your word, world. Excuse me. I, I think that's a beautiful story. Do you mind sharing it with the ruckus maker listening? Absolutely. So when I was a student, uh, school was not really my thing. I, I was a very average student, I would say. I think I played the game of school pretty well. And in elementary school, it just didn't stick with me, really. You know, I, I, I loved physical education class. I, I loved uh, hanging out at recess, loved socializing with my friends, but the academic content really didn't hit me. And um, 
you know, I had a fourth grade teacher by the name of Mrs. Lammers that I read about in the book. And she kind of that her story introduces the the content and how I got the title of the book. But um, I remember when we were walking out of school the last day of fourth grade, Mrs. Lammers was talking to me. I was I lived right by school and I was getting ready to go in the walker line to walk home. And she's just talking to me about you know, this school year, my summer, what I expected. I think the Oakland days were going to repeat as World Series champs because they had just won it the year before, and she was a big baseball fan as well. And um, so we're having that conversation. But as we're walking out, right before I'm a couple steps away from freedom, uh, for three months anyway, she put, <laughs> puts her arm on my shoulder and turns me around and looks, makes sure that I, like, forces eye contact with me. And she says, Dan Butler you have my full permission to be great. And at 10 years old, you don't really think too much about that. But at the age of 40, many years later, you do think about that. And she saw something in me that I was unable to see within myself. I I don't know that um, I had the necessary confidence. Um, I don't know that I believed in myself all that much. But when I'm thinking back, this is a person that gave me just took a genuine interest in me and said, you know what, you've got permission to be great. And as I think about that, reflecting on that more than 30 years ago, it's just like, you know what, that's pretty awesome. And that was a pretty awesome moment. What an incredible teacher that I had. And um, I think so many times in our school improvement efforts and school in general, we overthink it. And many of our people need just exactly that. They just need permission to go out and be great at whatever it is that they're doing, whether they're teaching, whether they're an administrator, whether they're a paraprofessional, a food service worker, a superintendent, whomever that happens to be, we all need that permission. And um, that story, that interaction kicks off the book and I thought gave a pretty cool title um, to the book. And uh, we'll get into more of the details as we go on and have this conversation. But uh, that was a really cool experience for me, particularly when I think back to when it happened. Yeah. Love the story. Like I said, what do you, what do you think was about her? Like why, why do that with a young 10 year old Dan Butler? Yeah. And I think, I think there were several kids like me uh, with this particular teacher. And I think the difference maker was she just took a genuine interest in every kid and was Mm -hmm. able to see something that they were unable to see see themselves. And I think that's what fantastic educators do. They, they see kids as the unique individuals that they are and with a strength based approach. And, you know, my file, it's not like my file was this really thick as, as an elementary student, I didn't really cause a problem but I was an easy kid just to blend into the situation and uh, kind of get lost in the shuffle. But Mrs. Lammers didn't do that. She found a way to make each kid feel as though they were their, her favorite student. And I know I'm not the only one. Right, right. So you heard that message at 10. You said you reflected a lot on it, you know, 30 years later. Uh, what Did it take 30 years or was there like, was it, you know, a decade in? Or I'm just curious how often that memory came back to you. I think originally, and it did take about 30 years. I remember after I attended a conference and I heard Russ Qualia speak about student voice. And I remember he was talking about school improvement and how many times we overthink it. And it's a people business and how we have systems and we have curricula and we have all these things. But 
you know, oftentimes it's just about getting the people right, getting the relationships right and letting the magic happen. And after I heard that talk, I wrote a blog post myself and was thinking about that very thing, that interaction with Mrs. Lammers and um, that whole phrase of permission to be great. And um, years later, I ended up writing a book about it. So So in permission to be to be great, you know, you talk about six mismatches between educator and the work environment. What would you like to share on that topic? Yeah, so within the, the the research that I've collected and that I've read and in my experiences, burnout is a real issue within the educational world, really within every every different sector, particularly when people, when occupations are, are working with people. Mm-hmm. So, um, but there are, there are, when these things are out of line, the, the more they're out of line, the greater the mismatch, the greater the likelihood that that worker is going to experience some feelings of burnout. And they are workload, okay? That's the first one. So there's too much to do. Mm-hmm. There's not enough time to get that done, or there are not enough resources to get that done. And those resources could include people, it could include time, it could include some physical resources, the tools, whatever. But when that, when the the job, the demands of the job and the resources are out of whack, or that workload is out of whack, the greater the likelihood is of burnout. And I think that would be obvious for a ruckus maker to hear that because. When you think burnout, yep, I just got too much to do. I'm so tired. I do, I can't get it all done. That's one of the mismatches. There's five others. So another one would be a lack of control or autonomy that workers, teachers, educators, whomever, they do not have enough decision-making authority within their positions. They may be feeling like they're micromanaged or they may feel as though that they're out of control. They don't have enough control within their job to do it and to do it well. The third would be what I call ERA, a lack of encouragement, a lack of recognition, a lack of appreciation that when I'm doing my work, maybe I'm not being encouraged. Maybe I'm not being acknowledged. Maybe I'm not being recognized to a level that I think I should. And I feel almost as though I'm invisible or I'm anonymous and I'm just a number in a page to my employer, and I don't feel that I'm seen, noticed, heard, whatever that happens to be. So when that's out of whack, that's another mismatch that could lead to those feelings of burnout. The fourth is um, a breakdown of community or a lack of positive relationships. Um, I think that kind of speaks for itself, but not feeling as though you're part of a team and that you have colleagues around you. The fifth is a lack of fairness. So, you know, maybe decisions are being made but I feel as though they're not being faded. They're not being made in a in a fair manner. There's not a process. There's not. It just doesn't seem just how things are being done. Whether that's with a promotion, whether that's with a personnel issue, whether that's with a um, how much work I have to do in comparison to others. Whatever that happens to be, when there's a feeling of a lack of fairness, that's going to be an issue. And the last one is a conflict of values. So. My personal values are not matching up with those of my organization. So the example that I like to give is I value integrity and honesty. What I say and do, I like those to match. That's great. That's a value. But what if my employer, my school, my district doesn't feel that way? Or 
they say they do, but they don't act that way, that they don't make uh, decisions with a high level of integrity or carry out a- actions with a high level of integrity. That's going to be a problem. The greater the mismatch between the worker and that environment in those six areas, the greater the likelihood of burnout. So so the six mis- mismatches, just to reflect back to you, uh, too much to do, a lack of control, the ERA, encouragement, recognition, appreciation, breakdown of community, lack of fairness, and lastly, conflict of values. So that's great. I'd, I'd love to dig into at least one of these. Let's start with like the first one, too much to do. We know, right? Like research backs this up, you know, even just with teaching and all the standards that are there and that kind of thing cannot be adequately covered within the context of a given school year. And yet we still try to cram it all in. <laughs> and that's just right for the one class, not to mention all the other responsibilities outside of instruction. So what, what do you do as a building leader? And then adding that, that layer of permission to be great on top of it, like, how do you navigate that with staff when there's just so much to be done? Absolutely. And this one is, the uh, for me, this is the most obvious of the six mismatches to see. And I think every ruckus maker listening can relate. Yeah. Well, it, it, it doesn't matter if you're a teacher, you're a principal, you're a superintendent, you're a food service worker, you're a bus driver, whoever you are, you're going to feel that there's too much to do and there's not enough time to get it done or not enough resource. So some of the research that I cite in Permission to be Great, it comes from Jamie Vollmer. And Jamie has said that, you know, since 1990, more than 32 curricular areas or programs have been added to the plates of instructors in public education. And literally nothing's been taken away. And it's it's not that the, the, these are mandatory things, whether that's you know, trauma-informed care, PBIS, uh, small group literacy initiatives, whole group literacy initiatives, uh, safe schools project, you know, whatever that has, bullying prevention, all those different things. And literally, our, our, our proverbial plates are full and they're not getting any bigger. The time of the day has not been extended in nearly, I think, 100 years. The instructional day has remained stagnant for that amount of time. So there's no more time to get things done, but it just continues to get piled on. So I think everybody can relate to that. So as a building leader, what do you do about that? And somewhat, there's a little intermixing here, but it comes down to values and being clear of what do you stand for? What do you believe in? What do you hold dear within your school? And you have to make some, ser- some serious, hard decisions about what stays and what goes. We can't give our time to everything. At the end of the day, we're going to have students in front of us for about seven hours per day, all right? So there's only so much that we're going to be able to get done. And as leaders, as decision makers, as influencers, we have to really decide what's going to stay and what's going to go. And to a filter through which to look are those values, those values within our organization. Okay, we value small group instruction. Okay, great. Let's make sure that our decisions are lined up with that and we're putting our resources into small group instruction. We value relationships. We value development, whatever that happens to be. Let's make sure that we're making decisions in the curricular areas, in the programs, in the strategies that we're using are going to match up with those values. And if it doesn't fit, and I'm going to tell you, Danny, there's a lot of things that don't fit. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Now, of course, 
there are federal mandates that you're going to have to meet. There are state mandates that you're going to have to meet. There are local initiatives and mandates within your district that you're going to have to do. So you've got to do those things. You have to meet those things, but you really have to ask yourself as a building leader and working with your teams, what can go? Because by default, we never ask that question. We always, well, we can do a little bit more. We can do a little bit more. We can do a little bit more. And it turns into we're doing a bunch of stuff, very average, if not worse than that. And at the end of the day, we're not going to be able to get it all done. So really having a filter through which to look. Yeah, you know, I think it was uh, Da Vinci who said um, that simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. And uh, the French philosopher Antoine Saint-Exupéry said, uh, you know, perfection's achieved not when there's anything more to add, but when there's nothing more to take away, right? So I, I just want to, you know, just highlight for the ruckus maker listening what you said there. Wow. Use those values as a filter, you know, to say, here's what we're going to do at a very high level and maybe even get punished for. We believe in it so much. And the rest of the stuff that doesn't fall into these values, we're just going to have to, you know, either cut or just kind of get it, get it done, let it get by. So Really appreciate your your thoughts there. Absolutely. Loving this conversation, Dan. We're going to take a quick uh, pause here for a message from our sponsors. When we get back, I'd love to dig a little bit more into a lack of control and then talk about a few other things before we end our conversation today. Learn how to successfully navigate change, shape your school's success, and empower your teams with Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Get online professional development that fits your schedule. Now enrolling for our February 2022 cohort. Courses include leading change, leading school strategy and innovation, leading people, and leading learning. Apply today at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. That's betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. Better Leaders, Better Schools is brought to you by school leaders like Principal Gutierrez using TeachFX. Special populations benefit the most from verbally engaging in class, but get far fewer opportunities to do so than their peers, especially in virtual classes. TeachFX measures verbal engagement automatically in virtual or in-person classes to help schools and teachers address these issues of equity during COVID. Learn more and get a special offer from Better Leaders, Better Schools listeners at teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. Today's show is brought to you by Organized Binder. Organized Binder develops the skills and habits all students need for success. During these uncertain times of distance learning and hybrid education settings, Organized Binder equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning routines so that all students have an opportunity to succeed, whether at home or in the classroom. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com. All right, and we're back with Dan Butler. He has a great new book out called Permission to be Great. I highly recommend that you check it out. And we were talking about the six mismatches between the educator and his or her work environment, uh, dug into too much to do just before the break. And now I'd love to hear your thoughts, Dan. Can you talk a little bit more about autonomy and a lack of control? Absolutely. So 
Within many of these mandates that we mentioned, they're going to be a part of the job working in public education. That's all there is to it. Like I said, whether that's from the federal level, whether that's from the state level, or even locally, there are going to be certain have-tos that you do need to accomplish. They are mandatory. But as leaders, we really have to think about when can we give our constituents, the people with whom we work, some decision-making authority. Because when that happens, in my experience, people buy in, they, we, we start to create ownership. And when we create ownership, we create engagement. And people are getting to a place of commitment rather than compliance. And, you know, when there's a lack of control or there's a lack of autonomy, People are going to, will they do the work? Absolutely, they will do the work, but they will do it at a lower level where it's a compliance piece rather than a commitment piece. So what I would ask the ruckus maker is this, what can you do within your position to create a little bit more control, a little bit more autonomy, a little bit more decision-making authority? And Let's be serious. In the last year, year and a half, all of us have been, our worlds have been rocked by this COVID-19 pandemic. And there have been so many changes. There have been so many shifts. There have been so many pivots to how we do things. And I'm going to tell you one of the best things that I was able to do during this pandemic, it's been to ask our people for help. We've changed around so many procedures of whether we're wearing masks or now we need to reduce the number of kids in our cafeteria because of contract contact tracing purposes. And we've got to reduce the number of kids riding buses. So we've got half the number of buses running or whatever that is. But like going to our staff, teachers, paraprofessionals, everybody and saying, I need your help. And here's what we need to do. How are we going to get this done? And when people are asked a question, they're given a sense of control. They're given more autonomy. It's amazing of what the results that they can produce and their level of engagement goes up. And I think we can all relate. As a building principal, I'm at my absolute worst when I'm feeling micromanaged by a superintendent or my supervisor, whatever that happens to be. I want the parameters. I want the umbrella of you need to do this. And then how you get there, Dan, make it happen. I love that. That's when I feel accomplished. That's when I feel purposeful. And I ask the same of our teachers. I ask the same of our staff. You know, here are the parameters. Here are the results we're looking to achieve. These are the outcomes. I don't necessarily care how you get there. Make it yours. And our teachers, our staff, they're superstars. We work with incredible people. And we just have to give them more autonomy, more control. And I think this is not rocket science by any stretch, but just simply asking, how can you do that within your processes and your procedures? How can you infuse a little bit more control and a little bit more autonomy? I love that. It's a, it's a really great idea. You know, we were talking in the pre-chat that common sense is not necessarily common practice. And I know you also hold the view when it comes to creating awesome cultures, right? And giving people the permission to be great. We often, you know, overthink it, but we don't need to. Uh, Charlie Munger, you know, him and Warren Buffett, they have Berkshire Hathaway. And, you know, they're one of the uh, most successful investors of all time. 
Well, Charlie says, take a simple idea and take it seriously, which reminds me of your thought that, that we overthink, you know, this, this concept of permission to be great. So I'd like to end with before the last two questions, you know, just when you're thinking about creating the atmosphere for people to be great, how do we, you know, infuse that simple idea into the culture? Like, how do you approach that when you're, when you're thinking about culture? That's a fantastic question. And what I, the, the way that I would answer it, and as it relates to this book, as it relates to permission to be great, because permission to be great, increasing engagement in your school. And that's what this is all about. And one thing that I would tell the listeners is I view burnout on the lower end of the spectrum. Like burnout is where things are really bad. We're struggling, right? Too much to do, not enough time to do it. We're not being recognized, you know, and I just, my values are all out of line. I just don't want to do this work anymore. That's a really bad spot. On the other end of that scale is engagement. They are polar opposites, in my opinion. So when you're decreasing burnout, you're increasing engagement. You're moving closer to that engagement. Does that make sense? Yeah. Hopefully that makes sense. I do. I mean, I like just how excited you got talking about that in that part. Yeah. That's that's a great distension, right? So burnout versus engagement. I've never heard it um, broken down that way. So it's awesome. Keep going. Yeah. So and the other thing that I would say is, the more in line that I am, because we talked about these mismatches, but the greater the match between worker and work environment, the greater the likelihood of engagement. And I say that because at the end of the day, all of the concepts, all of the strategies, all of the tactics included in Permission to be Great are all about increasing positive culture within your school. And so when I think about that, how do I address and uh, address culture and improving that culture. And the answer to that, Danny, is to employ all of the strategies within permission to be great because they are all designed to increase the culture within your school. So looking at workload, okay, how can I address that? Are there things that I can take away as a leader? What stays, what goes? Control and autonomy, we talked about that at length. Are there other ways to increase that? But encouragement, recognition, and appreciation. Okay, so... As a building leader, as a district leader, as a teacher, are you recognizing the people around you and just saying a genuine thank you for what they do? Not when things are going wrong, when things are going well, just randomly, you know, reaching out and saying, hey, you know what? Thank you so much for setting up the gym today to my custodian. That assembly, it was organized. It was clean. We were ready to go and we were successful because you set the stage for us. Thank you. Something I've gotten in the practice of doing is just writing a a handwritten note once per day to someone to recognize what they're doing. That keeps me accountable. It makes me feel good. It makes that person feel good. But are you doing those types of things? Are you sending an email to someone's, hey, thanks for what you're doing. I appreciate your work. If you're being specific, you're being heartfelt, you're being genuine, and you're being timely with that positive feedback to someone, encouragement, recognition, appreciation, you can't go wrong. You cannot go wrong and you can't do too much of it. But then also, I think relationships and community, of course, building those, you know, I think that's when we think about culture, that that usually we're, we're, you know, our mind goes right to relationships and building community. But I think the groundwork for that is being our, our values, knowing as an individual what you stand for, you know, what are your absolute non-negotiables? What hill will you die on? 
and being extremely clear with that and knowing why. Why do I value a love of learning so much? Why do I value relationships so much? Why do I value courage and the ability to engage in difficult situations? Those are my things that I value as an individual, and, I, and I'm clear with that. Those are non-negotiable. But then as an organization, okay, as a school, what also, what hill are we going to die on? And when you get those difficult situations, boy, they are a lot more easy to navigate when you know what you truly stand for. And that's a lot of work of being clear with your values as, as a school, as a district, as an organization. But it is so worth it because when tough times come, you can navigate the difficult waters because you know truly, clearly where you are and what you stand for. I think that's what is what has gotten our school and our district, district, we've been able to navigate this, this pandemic pretty successfully, I would say. We have weathered the storm very well. And in fact, whenever this does get over, we are going to be better because of it. Uh, we, we, we are. And I think we've been able to navigate that as a building, as a district, because we're very clear about our values, what we stand for, what we believe in, and what we hold dear. And uh, that's allowed us to be as clear as we can possibly be. And that's not to say that it hasn't been hard. It in those values has really saved us. Brilliant. Well, Dan, what message would you put on all school marquees across the globe if you could do so for just a day? I would say that um, if I was to have bumper stickers or stickers or things on the wall, um, anything that I would promote is positive relationships serve as the foundation for educational success. And I know that might not seem flashy on a bumper sticker or a, um, or a sticker or painting on the wall, but that is at my core, whether we're dealing with students, um, staff to student, staff to staff relationships, staff to community relationships serve as the foundation for everything that we do. We are in a people business. And if we can get the people right Everything else is going to fall into place. These mismatches don't mean too much if you don't have great people doing the work. And by doing that, we enhance our relationships. We build the community around us, and that matters. And at the end of the day, that's what it's about. Relationships serve as the foundation for educational success. You're building a school from the ground up. You're not limited by any resources. Your only limitation is your imagination. How would you build your dream school and what would be your top three priorities? <laughs> that is such a heavy question. And when I think about my dream school, I think about adequate space, adequate space for learners to engage in a flexible manner that fits their needs. So when I refer to flexible, I mean that there's appropriate seating available, that um, they have different options, whether that's sitting on the floor, sitting in different chairs, sitting at pub tables, sitting in booths, whatever that happens to be to fit their style of learning and to fit the style of teaching that we want to be doing. If we're doing small group things, we've got opportunities to be able to do that. We want to lead whole group lessons, we've got the ability to do that. We've got an outdoor area for outdoor learning to occur naturally, organically as well. So I think about adequate space. I think about adequate exposure and um, uh, to technology. So having 
technology, whatever it's needed at the hands and then the fingertips of our kids, whether that's through laptop computers, touchscreen, iPads, whatever that happens to be, that we've got the appropriate tools to get done what we want to get done to connect us to that greater global community. And then also, it's a school that is just grounded in values where we're clear about what we stand for, what we believe in, and that is clearly articulated and not just on posters on the wall, that that is practiced on a daily basis with students, with staff, with community members. Anyone connected to the school knows what we are about. And then my dream school is beautiful aesthetically. So when you walk in, you have a feeling that this is the place to be. It is open, it is clean, it is bright. And when you walk in in the front, you're greeted with flowers and beautiful landscaping and green grass and a flagpole with a flag flying in the wind, knowing that, man, this is the place to be. And ultimately, all those things that I mentioned, students have incredible opportunities to learn and grow and develop at their pace in their own way. And there are no limits for what that looks like. So hopefully that paints a little bit of a picture of my ideal school. And then lastly, I think you said, what would be the top three objectives? Yeah, our priorities, but um, yeah, however you want to take that. <laughs> I think I kind of answered so. that, but like the number one outcome would be that kids get what they need when they need it. And there is no issues of access for any type of learner. Brilliant. Well, Dan, we covered a lot of ground today. And thanks so much for uh, being a part of the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. Congrats again on uh, the release of Permission to be Great. Of everything we talked about today, what's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember? I want the ruckus maker listening to this episode today to remember that You have permission to be great. We all have permission to be great. And success is about doing a little something every day and being consistent over time. And I think oftentimes we think it needs to be these big, big ideas that just blow up and all of a sudden we get it. It is small, intentional effort day after day and putting in the time and the consistency to make it happen. And, uh, You have that ability. I have that ability. Uh, The ruckus maker listening has that ability to do that. And as we've talked about, common sense is not often common practice. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed. Mm-hmm.